morning, everybody. Morning, Carol. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What are you, what are you, wor- what are you worried about? <laughs> we will find something, won't we? It's innate to the human nature. What are you worried about? Max Lucado, in his excellent book, if you want to go deeper from today's message, I would uh, encourage you to grab this book or grab the DBS journals as you leave. Anxious for Nothing, Finding Calm in a Chaotic World, just came out this year. He writes, the land of the stars and stripes has become the country of stress and strife. The United States is the most anxious country in the world. How can this be, he asks. Our cars are safer. We regulate food, water, electricity. Yet if worry were an Olympic event, we'd win the gold medal. Citizens of other countries experience one-fifth of the levels of of Americans, despite having fewer basic life necessities. There's something about our particular way of life that's making us less calm and less composed. Our adolescents are feeling it as well. In a study that involved more than 200,000 incoming college freshmen, Lucado writes, students reported all-time lows in overall mental health and emotional stability. Kids have more toys, clothes, opportunities than ever. But by the time they leave home, they are wrapped tighter than Egyptian mummies. We're tense, Lucado says. Why? What are you worried about, really? Take a moment and reflect on that question. What are you worried about? There's a text box here. And you can just, if it helps, write some things down. What are you worried about? I want you to think about that as we walk through this message. Jesus, in his most famous sermon he ever gave, comes to this portion because he knows the whole of human existence and cares for all of us, raises the question, in light of who I am and in light of what I promise, he asks, why do you worry? And that, my friends, raises attention. The question we're looking at is in verse 25 of Matthew 6. Why do not worry about your life? The Greek word worry there, I'm sorry, the Greek word life there means your total life. Jesus is saying, don't worry about your life in total. What he's talking about here is, means don't worry about your mental life, your physical life, your emotional life, your spiritual life. For us, it means don't worry about your 401k life. Don't worry about your rental increase life. Don't worry about your kids getting good grades life your prodigal son's or prodigal daughter's life. Don't worry about your I just got a diagnosis life. Don't worry about will I ever get married life. Don't worry about your oh my gosh, I just got married life. (laughs) Don't worry about I'm getting old life. Jesus is saying that word life there, suke in the Greek, suki in the Greek is don't worry, that's that's Paul's cat. Uh, Don't worry about all of my life, he's saying there. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> Who has the audacity to say that? 
Why do I worry, Jesus? This is my journal. Well, I worry because the headlines like mass shootings in Las Vegas. I worry because I have five daughters and I really am concerned about their lives, their health, their husbands. I worry because of how family members of mine have died and wonder if any latent disease or what latent disease is lying dormant in me. I worry because of financial realities that Ann and I are facing. Did I mention we have five daughters? <laughs> I worry for this church and the multiple needs and budgets and livelihood of 50 staff and all of that. That's why I worry. Is Jesus out of touch with the human condition? Why would he command something so innate to the human experience and say, don't do that? You want to push back almost and say, uh, Jesus, can, can you soften that a little bit? How about don't worry so much? Uh, how about don't worry on Sundays? How about don't worry every morning from six to nine, worry-free zone? Really, don't worry about everything? Now, if you read this slowly and carefully, what we're going to see is Jesus is going to give a perspective of life, and we're going to walk through this passage from his vantage point. And once we see what God sees, we'll better understand the audacity behind the question. First, let's define terms. What is worry? Worry is not a sin. It's an emotion. So don't worry if you thought worry was a sin. Okay? It's an emotion. We're good, right? Uh, worry is actually a meteor shower of what ifs. That's what worry is. Uh, worry is an indicator. This is really important. It's an indicator of a core devotion growing beyond our control. I'm going to say that again because we're going to come back to it time and time again. Worry is an indicator of a core devotion growing beyond our control. Jesus will teach that things you're most devoted to is what you worry most about. You want to find your core devotions? You leave a trail from them all the way to your worry. Just work your way back and you'll see what you're devoted to. Uh, for instance, I love you. Ted, I'll talk on you. You know I love you. I'm not worried about your retirement. I care about your retirement care about it a lot, but it's not one of my core devotions, so I'm not worried about your retirement. Bill, I love you. I'm not worried about your marriage to Sally. I care a lot and even pray for that marriage, but one of my core devotions is not your marriage. It's my marriage. Liesl Tanner, I love you, and I love that your kids are right here with you, and I care about those kids almost as if they're my own but I don't worry about them because they're your kids. My core devotion is my kids. I pray for them, but I don't worry about them. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Our core devotion is where our worries center around. Are you ready? This whole sermon could be answered in one line. Jesus' diagnosis for worry? Change your core devotion. Change your core devotion. Let me be your core devotion. Pursue me and I'll take care of your kids. I'll take care of your retirement. Bill, Jesus says, pursue me. I'll take care of this marriage. And he has, hasn't he? For how many years? 
58 years. Praise God. So what's wrong with worry? Let's go to page one, okay? What's wrong with worry? Here's the first, and we're gonna go through this pretty quickly. I wanna get to the solution for us. Here's the first, worry distorts, verse 25. Jesus tells you, do not worry. Now, I will give you the Greek word for worry. It it means a divided mind. Worry in the Greek, when Jesus spoke it, a divided mind. That's what it does. It divides our mind. It distracts our focus. It distorts reality so that things have a bigger focus and bigger feel than they actually have. Since we're a covenant church in honor of Paul Salen, a Swedish proverb. Worry gives small things a big shadow. Jesus says, don't worry about your, and if you write in your Bible, and I hope you do, write the word whole in front of life, because that's what Jesus was saying. Your whole life. And then he talks about what they worried about. Ben built that out in his welcome. What you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body or what you will wear. For us, it would be today. Jesus would say, don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about getting in the right school, kids. Don't worry about your jobs. Don't worry about your housing. Don't worry about your retirement. Don't worry about end-of-life issues. Jesus would say that to us today. And then he asked this question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? It's another great question. He asked five questions in this passage. Wouldn't you agree with him that all of life is bigger than just retirement or just a relationship or just getting in the right school? Life means more than that, but worry distorts. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Then he says this, worry devalues. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. He's pointing to something in his day. (laughs) What, Jesus? The birds of the air? I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. My spouse left me, and you want me to look at birds? I just got a diagnosis, and you want me to look at birds? My kids won't talk to me. They're not embracing my faith, and you want me to work, look at birds? I can't pay rent, Jesus. I don't have time to look at birds. And Jesus would say to us today, are you finished? I'm not discounting any of that. But you're so hyper-focused and your devotion follows that focus and your emotion follows your devotion. And so I'm simply asking you to take a bigger perspective. So back up with me Yes, and let's look at birds. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Your heavenly father feeds them. And then he asks, aren't you much more valuable than they are? In other words, birds for us today, they don't have 401k plans. They don't have health care. They don't have car seats. They don't have college application counselors, budgets. They don't even have smartphones. And they're okay. Do you believe that God has a greater concern for birds than for you? Jesus would ask. See, what worry does is it devalues us. It devalues us. Do you understand that one? Are we good? Then it's wasted time. Verse 27. Can any of you, by worrying, 
add a single hour to your life? In other words, can your worrying today bring certainty tomorrow? How would you answer that? Now we're getting to the core of worry. The fact is, when I'm my life, my worries, the reality is I want power that only God has. And worry stems from that. What Jesus is saying is this. Who's been controlling your life all these years? Who's controlled every yesterday and today in your life? See, when calamity strikes, and I know it does all the time, and we've been struck in an inordinate amount, amount of, with an inordinate amount of calamity this season. When a diagnosis comes or a call or some other bad news, we feel like we're out of control. But the reality is the calamity, the diagnosis, friends, it only reveals the truth that's been around all along. We've never been in control. Control's a myth. It's a myth. And if anyone should know that, it's our body. It's a myth. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's wasted time. Write this down. Worry is worthless. Our English word for worry, I gave you the Greek, it comes from a German word. You know what it means? To choke or to strangle. And that's what worry does. It chokes the spiritual life and the fruit of the spirit out of us. Worry doesn't make your life any longer. It makes it more miserable. It steals time that you can never get back, ever. Then, worry dishonors God. Jesus just tells it like it is. Like when you see worry in this light, you start to understand why he would say, why do you worry, right? Look what he says here. Worry worry is, uh, where am I? Worry dishonors God. Verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you, and here's the phrase, of little faith. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I ever want to be on the receiving end of those words from Jesus. Our whole life is built on faith. Faith is God's love language. It's how God knows we love him. So worry dishonors God. So how do we get over it? Okay, now we understand. Okay, I don't want to worry. I see it from Jesus' perspective. That's his whole point is to bring definition to life. How do I get over it? What's the antidote to worry? There's a key word here in the first two points of part two. It's ponder. Ponder. And you see it in verse 26. It's defined as look. You see it in verse, I think it's verse 28, see. It is in verse 28, the word see. But behind those words is implied this, this sense. Slow down and think. Think with me. See, a uh, word on the street is faith is blind. Faith is the absence of reason. Faith is uh, throw your mind and just check it in at the door if you're going to be a person of faith. No, no, no. Jesus never taught that. As a matter of fact, Jesus is saying, think with me. And then leap based on those thoughts in faith. 
So Jesus is saying, ponder. What are we to ponder? Here's the first thing. Ponder God's providence. Have you heard that term before? Providence? Pro, before. Video, the Latin word video, to see. Providence is the great doctrine that God sees beforehand. This will help our worry. The reality that we never step into a circumstance where God is caught off guard. He sees beforehand. We've talked about this before. Uh, God sees our whole life from beginning to end. In one whole shot. He's just looking at the whole thing. God has already seen you in your 80s or 90s, if you have that. God saw it the day you were born. And so he allows things in your life because his agenda for our life is Christ-likeness. And he'll take care of us through that. Look what he says in verse 26. Look, again, look intently at. Consider is a better word there. Uh, The King James calls it consider in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Your heavenly father feeds them. Uh, I do want to be on the receiving end of these. I want to see Jesus saying this to me. Gary, don't you know how valuable you are to me? I care about you so much more than a bird. Jesus is teaching uh, here, saying, you know what? Everything you have is part of God's provision. And everything that happens in your life is part of God's plan. Yes, you have free choice, but it's part of my plan. And I don't even know how those two work together, and we could spend hours talking about that. But what I know is, yes, God gives us choice, and yes, God is sovereign in the choices we make. Everything we have is part of God's provision. Everything that happens to you is part of God's plan. My words are worthless. Let's just look at God's word. Ephesians 1.11 is a great passage on providence. Look at this. Furthermore, because we're united with Christ, in other words, because you're a Christian, we have received an inheritance from God. Here's providence in bold. For he chose us. When did he choose us, church? Well, before we were born. The scripture says in advance. Other words, other places in Ephesians, it says before the foundations of the world. He chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to what, church? His plan. Providence. Somehow God gives us a choice, but ultimately weaves our choices into his will. Jesus is saying, there is absolutely no way you can conquer worry unless you get over the lie that life is random. Nothing is random. I was getting my teeth cleaned on Friday. Not an enjoyable experience for me. Um, I, I mean, sorry, I just have this phobia of dentists and that sound, you know. It was great, but, you know. And a new doctor working on me, and she said, well, how did you become a pastor at PCC? How did you become the lead pastor at PCC? And I thought about that and gave her a short answer. And while she was in my teeth, I thought, hmm, how did that happen? How did I ultimately become the lead pastor at PCC? Well, there was a point in 2003 when the council, the leadership team, uh, showed up on my doorstep after being here for five, six years and said, you know what? We've called off the search. You're no longer the family pastor. We're going to call you to be the lead pastor at PCC. And then I thought, well, wait, how did I get to be the student ministries pastor here? Well, that happened because in 1996, 
in my middle year seminary in Chicago. I was at a conference, and the college director of this church, his name was Brian Wren. Anyone ever heard of that guy? Yeah, we had lunch, and he asked me, would you ever consider becoming the family and student ministries pastor? Well, why was I at that conference? Well, because while I was in seminary, I took an internship with our denomination because the greatest leader still to this day I've ever known, Evelyn Johnson, was heading a department, and I would do anything to work under her. Well, why was, I, uh, why was I in the whole denomination in the first place? Well, that's because I was a college student, and while I was a college student, I was discipled by a guy named Ray, who was part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. Well, how did I get to that church when I was in college? I keep going back. Well, oh, that's easy. That's because when I was at my sophomore year in college, a fraternity brother came to my university and asked me to join his youth group which happened to be Marin Covenant, on a trip to Mexico. And once I went to that youth group, I was hooked in that church. Well, how did I become in relationship with that fraternity brother? I thought, oh, that's right, Dave. Dave applied to UC Davis. That was his top school. And Sac State was his second school. And Davis rejected him to his dismay. He prayed about it. He was a follower of Christ, but he got rejected. So he ended up going to Sac State. Why am I the lead pastor? of PCC because in 1983, Dave Mahar was rejected by UC Davis. <laughs> but that would have took the whole cleaning and so I didn't let her in on that. <laughs> That's providence. God working behind the scenes in every detail, in every hurt. Our little Jojo from Africa, when she came here uh, to us at three, we had to get her blood tested and we had to get, she had bacteria in her and she couldn't speak English and we didn't speak much Lingala. And she would cry and look at us in essence saying, why are you hurting me? Why are you hurting me? And we'd have to look at her and love her and just say, we're hurting you because we want to help you. We want you to be everything God wants you to be. So you have to take these needles and take this into your veins and what have you. I wonder if God does the same thing. Providence. First, Jesus points to the birds and says, you know what? They took care of them. Let me ask you a question. What if tonight an angel appeared in your room and woke you up and it was an angel? Let's just say it's Gabriel and you're freaking out. He has a two-word message for you. Just two words. How would it change your outlook on worry? His only message to you, he says, uh, you know he's from heaven, from heaven's throne. Here's his two words. God knows, and then he disappears. Wouldn't that change your outlook? Just understanding that the God of heaven is not caught unaware by your circumstances. Then Jesus says, ponder something else. Ponder God's love. Look at verse 28 to 30. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendors dressed like one of these. And that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. This is where, my friends, when you ponder God's love, you grab your heart and you say, listen, heart. God loves you more than you can imagine. You know, heart, if God didn't spare his own son, 
How is he not going to fail to give us everything we need to get through this life? He loves me more than I imagine. This is where you speak to your heart. You don't listen to your heart. You know where he is? It, it's really a text message that we send to God that says, I don't think you have my best interests in mind. Essentially saying, uh, yeah, Father, I know you emptied heaven of its greatest treasure and you executed your son voluntarily for me, but I really don't think you love me and know what's best for my week. My friends, if Jesus went to such great lengths to go to the cross and secure and take care of us for all eternity, Jesus has our eternity covered in Christ, right? If you're in Christ, don't you know he loves you? If someone would die for you, he's for you. He's for me. So Jesus goes on. Don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? Now, this is really important, okay? I, I try really hard not to say um, things that hurt but I'm just going to read the words of Jesus in here. For the pagans, who is that? Don't, by the way, email Jesus. Don't email me about if you're offended by that word, okay? Those are people who do not believe in God in Jesus' day. Here's what's behind this. This is so important, friends. As we're trying to love and embrace a community, 95% of whom could care less that we're gathered here and aren't in churches today. Uh, to take Jesus' word, they're pagans. And if that's you and you're checking God out, please, I don't say that to offend you. I'm just taking the words of Jesus. Uh, we don't mean that in a pejorative or in a way that's demeaning of you. It just means you don't believe in God. And Jesus is saying this. Look, we all face life. And he's looking at his followers and he's saying... The way you're handling worry, it's no different than people who don't know God at all. You're acting like Christian atheists. I really believe this can be an area where we shine bright for our Lord. Where we say, yeah, Las Vegas happened. And yeah, I don't know what college my kids are going to get into. And yes, it's hard to pay a mortgage or a rent. But I can still smile because I have a heavenly father who's so good. And I am sustained because I have people in my faith community who are walking through life with me. Whether that's a Stevens counselor or, or just fellowship or your small group. Yeah, my marriage is really challenged. But I have hope because I made a promise and I believe God made that promise too. And I'm sticking in it, trusting God to show up and show off and allow something supernatural to take place. Yes, life is hard. And Jesus isn't discounting that. But he's saying, as followers of mine, my perspectives for all of eternity, this is where you can shine in a culture rot with worry and anxiety. You can live differently and you don't have what it takes. But I do, Jesus says, and I'll give it to you. That's grace. Praise God. This isn't 
a sermon about belittling us. This is a sermon about making much of God. Do you know the difference? Yeah, I know you do. He says the pagans run after all, all those things, but your possessive, pagans can't use the your, Jesus wants pagans to use the your, salvation's open to anyone who would turn from themselves to Jesus. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. I would just ask gently, do you really believe it? Do you really believe as you face your day, and I'm asking myself too, that my heavenly father knows everything I need for this day. See, uh, we say we believe God. Let me say this right. We say we believe in God. The question is, do you believe God? There's a difference between believing in God and believing God. And can I just say, Thank you for those of you who have walked that road. You have no idea the difference you're making in this church. For younger men and women, for each other, for the way you're displaying faith and fighting for faith and keeping the faith. Thank you for that. Now, here comes the solution. Lastly, we've got to close this. Put God before your worry. Here's what he says. In other words, here's what Jesus is going to say. I can wrap this up in two minutes. Yeah, you want me to finish? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, I know, I'm just kidding. Having a little fun at 8.55. Change your devotion. Change your devotion. You're so devoted to that right college or that right uh, neighborhood or this or that. Jesus is saying, it's this simple. Change your devotion. Because your devotion determines your emotion. Your emotion follows your devotion. So Jesus is saying, seek first my kingdom and his righteousness. And all those other things will be added to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to have a whole new way of thinking. Surrender your life to my agenda, Jesus says. Seek my agenda for the world. Want my agenda to take priority over your life. You know what that's manifested in as I was studying this just last night? I grew up in a faith system. We prayed this every day. The disciples' prayer. It's called, people call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. He taught it to his disciples. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, God. I don't like where my kids are growing up and the decisions they're making, but thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Yes, God, I don't know how I'm gonna pay the rent, but thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, God, you go on and on and on. I don't have time to go through every scenario. It's that simple. And we have here some things to ponder how to handle worry as you can go through uh, the rest of the sermon or the, I'm sorry, the rest of the week and just reflect on these things and what that means. So Jesus asks one more time, why do you worry? I've got this. I've got your life. I've secured your whole eternity. 70 years is nothing for me.
Make me your core devotion. This Sermon on the Mount, it is a call to wholehearted discipleship. And it doesn't end at age 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. God, I believe, is calling this generation right here to new levels of discipleship. And it's never been more needed than now. Because as we reach the generations, um, we have younger generations that never grew up with people like you. And they need you. We need you. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much. This isn't easy. But Lord, we lay our worries down. We lay our worries down. In light of who you are. You know. And you love. We just ponder that for a moment. You're not caught unaware. You're not caught by surprise. Thank you. We exchange our worries with your truth. And I pray this week you would be hearing from us, your followers. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Every time a worry wants to come and choke us. No, 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 no worry. Sorry. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That every rogue thought and emotion would be surrendered to your will. I'm not asking for easy things. This will only happen by the power of your Holy Spirit. So Jesus, release him in fresh new ways in our body. And may we not, may it not be said of us that we're acting like pagans. We want to be different. I know that's the heart of my friends. We want to be different in this area and in every area. Let it be, Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Covenant Church Podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.